I V M. Welcome to episode 56 of Edges and Sledges, our weekly cricket podcast. I've got with me Ashwin in Cincinnati, myself Varun in Singapore, and DJ in Athens, Greece, this week for the long Easter weekend. Today we're going to have a special guest on the show, Siddharth Pudar, talking about the Rajasthan Royals, and he's going to join us for the second segment of the show. But as we've been doing for the last few weeks, we're going to have a um, our quick weekly IPL recap, and I'm going to first talk a little bit about the points table before Ashwin goes through some of the highlights of the week. So in terms of the points table, Chennai Super Kings seem to be doing really well. They've played nine matches, won seven, and they're on 14 points. They did recently play a game where Dhoni sat out, and personally for me, that game was pretty boring. But look forward to seeing him come back. And as we speak, we're getting ready for the toss of the RCB versus CSK game. So Dhoni versus Kohli. So they're talking about that's being the biggest rivalry of the IPL so far. And one of my friends, Yogi, just messaged that he can't seem to understand why, because except for the Kaveri issue, he doesn't know how this is a rivalry that divides the nation. But anyway, moving on, Mumbai Indians is number two in the league. They are on 12 points. They seem to be finding some good momentum, and genuinely, I think three of us do feel they have one of the strongest squads in the in the IPL so far. Delhi has done well. They're on 12. To be honest, we're surprised. I can't remember the last time being 10 games in and seeing Delhi in the top four. So that's positive. They they beat Punjab just yesterday to to inch slightly forward. Punjab is number four. There is a battle at the middle of the table with Sunrisers Hyderabad, Punjab, and KKR at number four, five, and six. Sunrisers has just beat KKR as we speak and kind of demolished them. And the last two are really Rajasthan and RCB, who we think are pretty much out of the tournament, but they could mess up the table. So that's a little bit about the points table. Ashwin, let me come over to you to talk a little bit about the highlights of the week so far. Yeah, thanks, Varun. I think it was interesting because I was thinking back, and when we recorded together last week which was episode 55 about a week ago from today i said you know there was some interesting on field incidents there was some drama and stuff but actually the points table hadn't really moved all that much csk did well rcb lost etc more of the same i think it's been an interesting week as you mentioned for the points table because quite a bit happened in terms of actual movement on the table and there was a few really interesting things including kkr has lost now five matches in a row Delhi has finally broken their home jinx and won a match at home. So lots, lots happened from a cricket standpoint this week that impacted the table, which I was pretty excited about. I think probably a little bit less drama, which we are now used to, but that might be okay from an IPL standpoint. So really quickly, let's go through what happened from a Mumbai standpoint. They started the week beating RCB, which really was no surprise, and then they beat Delhi as well. So two good wins. That's what, as you mentioned, got them to second place. But then they fell short on the weekend doubleheader to a Rajasthan Royals team that was without Joss Butler. So I think that's going to be a little bit of a worrying sign as we think about Mumbai if they weren't able to beat a Rajasthan Royals team who's second from the bottom, even in the absence of their star player who's flown back to England for the birth of his child. So I, I, that's going to be really interesting, I think. But to your point, Mumbai's been finding form. As we keep going, the second game of the week since we last recorded, Punjab Kings Eleven Punjab stepped up and beat Rajasthan Royal. But then they lost; they fell short against the Delhi Capitals side uh, at the Ferocious Kotla. So that one again, fifty-fifty week for Punjab. They're still languishing mid-table. They'll need something special, I think, to to qualify. They're in fourth as we speak. 
Sunrise's Hyderabad then came on. Uh, that happened midweek, and they beat the Chennai Super Kings. So that was the one where you mentioned was a little bit of a surprise for all of us, where Suresh Raina came out uh, to the toss. And interestingly, I think this is his fourth time captaining the Chennai Super Kings, and he won the first three games. So the odds were, or the, the numbers were on his side, but unfortunately, he fell short in that fourth match with the Hyderabad team winning by uh, six wickets, so pretty comprehensively as well. I think what's also interesting about Hyderabad is, although they are doing okay, they're kind of middle of the table at the moment, what seems to be happening with Hyderabad is when they do win, they win really, really big. And we've noticed that even, and the match just concluded before we recorded this, is they won with eight wickets to spare, or nine wickets to spare, and a significant amount of overs left. So that's really interesting with Hyderabad. I think they're going to probably be in a stable situation where net run rate matters. And I think they've gone so far ahead on net run rate that it's going to be really, really uh, it's going to be tough to catch them. They're at plus 0.549, I believe. Uh, and the next highest team is at plus 0.35. So pretty significant delta. Finally, I think the last thing I mentioned, KKR, they lost their fifth match in a row. So I think it was really interesting. After five matches were done, KKR had won four. They were right at the top of the table along with CSK. And then in the next five matches, they lost all five. I think the one interesting highlight from this week was the match against RCB. So Royal Challengers Bangalore batted first, made 213, which you'd think for both teams is pretty comprehensively enough. Of course, RCB has the bowling lineup that can lose in any situation, as we know. And KKR came pretty close. I think this one was really interesting, guys. We were talking about it on our WhatsApp group while the match was going on. But I think it was about 60-odd needed from 18, 19 balls. And as long as Andre Russell was at the crease, everybody still had a little bit of faith. And it was unbelievable. He played some really big overs, hit some big sixes. Pretty smart captaincy. I have to give Kohli credit at the end to give the 20th over to Moyen Ali. Moin Ali came on, got hit for 1-6, and then bowled basically a, a, spin, a spin bowler's Yorker. Pretty perfect Yorker, managed to keep Russell at bay, and RCB took that one home by 10 runs. So to Varun's point, I think now RCB gets to the zone where they can technically still qualify. I think we'll all say it's unlikely, but they'll do what Delhi has done for the last 11 years and try to play spoil sport. The last and final highlight I wanted to talk about for the, the week before we double-click a little is Delhi versus Punjab. So that happened on Saturday. Ferocia Kotla ground, Delhi won the toss and chose to chase, knowing that, of course, it's not an easy ground to bowl second given the dew. And despite that, you know, Punjab didn't play too, too well. Delhi looked like they were cruising. This felt like a story we've been before. Punjab made 163. Delhi needed 50-odd of 40-something balls. It felt like pretty easy, but we know Delhi has bottled up a few chases before. Almost, almost, almost bottled it again. Very, very disappointing to see Rishabh Pant just not able to stay and play a role that his team needed to. But this time, skipper Shreya Sayer took it home. There was a little bit of drama that maybe we can talk about where Ravi Ashwin, as times get desperate, seems like he resorts to the Mankad as his weapon of choice to get some wickets. And he almost tried to Mankad Shikhar Dhawan. Shikhar Dhawan never left his crease, but chose to have some fun with it. Did a little jig. It made some video. The videos spread a little bit in the media. So that's basically it. Delhi racked up that win. I think the fight for second, third, fourth place is going to get really close in the next few games. But we can talk a little next about who the teams have left to play. And that's going to be interesting. So Varun, back to you. Thanks, Ashwin. And yeah, I think the Shikhar Dhawan-Ashwin incident really got me thinking because I think some people had posed a question saying, what if Ashwin had done this to an Indian batsman? And I was completely torn. I was like, I think because of my previous stance that the Mankad was okay, I was a little irritated that Shikhar Dhawan did the dance, but it was just very interesting to see. But anyway, talking a little bit about IPL fantasy, just to wrap up our IPL section so far, 
This week, I have got three tips for our listeners. The first tip is follow your heart and your gut. And I have for 10 years had this theory on people being due. And for the first time in a long time, it's worked for me. So I had Kohli, captain in the IPL uh, fantasy. And I had him 3x in that game where he scored 100. So it really kind of catapulted me to number two after that game. In fact, I was number one for about 10 minutes. But nothing to write home after that. I've now since dropped. However, Kohli is playing again today. The second tip is, guys, everyone needs to watch out for the overseas players who are going to join their World Cup squad. We know teams like Australia... Um, and South Africa are, are going to be off soon. So watch out, and especially England. So watch out for these three teams over the next five to seven days. Uh, I think for the next five, seven days, it st- should still be okay. And the third tip from my side, and Ashwin and I were discussing this yesterday, is I think if you're a true invested fantasy player, you need to watch out for which cricketers are having kids soon. Because we've lost Colin Ingram as part of the um, fantasy season so far in the middle. Yesterday, we lost Josh Butler. So, DJ, let me come to you first, since I don't think you're doing that well in fantasy. But let me ask you, do you have any fantasy tips or thoughts? I don't know. Today, uh, I did seem to get some points with the double, uh, or the was it five times for number of sixes. So, David Warner and uh, Sunil Nareen got some points for me. The blinder you pulled with Kohli, right? We were neck and neck, so make no mistake. <laughs> we, you were 10 and I was 11 at that stage. <laughs> But, I mean, well played to you, man. Fair game. Well well done. And, yeah, I mean, as they say, picture abhi baki hai mere dost. Yeah, I'm still top, top 12, 13, I think. So, piche se var, as Yogi always says. Piche se var. So, you got, look, got to look behind you and you don't have any eyes at the back of your head. <laughs> Very well said, well said. Ashir, any thoughts for you? I know you're beating me just by a little bit right now. So, you have uh, the upper hand in terms of tips when it comes to the when it comes to me. Yeah, I'm not sure about that actually, because just because I'm actually doing well doesn't need, really know, mean I know how it happened. Uh, let me actually quickly start by doing a wrap of where our edges and sledges fantasy listener fantasy league is. So, I, as you mentioned, you and I are pretty close. I'm in sixth. You're in ninth at the moment, but that's only a thirty point delta. So you see, we have some pretty good players still in the lead at the moment. Is a team called Dhruv Forty One De had another. Pretty stellar round, I think, in this one had Shikhar Dhawan captain, uh, played Andre Russell vice captain, so pretty well played. The second is Kermit V2V, and in third place is a new entry into the top three is Rajesh Patki. So still very close, guys. The difference between first and tenth is only 340 points, which can change in a matter of two or three games. So keep playing, keep sending us your messages about that. As for my specific fantasy league tip, I think the only thing I'll say that's hurt me over and over again is... I think it's time we crown a new Mr. IPL. And we called Suresh Raina Mr. IPL for the better part of a decade. He's been a bit lackluster this year. But I think David Warner needs to get that official tag of Mr. IPL. He's just so incredibly consistent, so unbelievable at getting points because he does it via lots of boundaries. You get extra points for sixes, etc. So I think David Warner is my tip for this week or the next little bit as long as he's playing the IPL. You you basically can't afford to leave him out. I haven't had him even once this season and every time Sunrises have played, I've fallen behind. So that's that's basically my tip. Awesome. And yeah, for all the listeners out there, I think Sunrises is playing three games in the next round. So do keep a lookout for Warner. All right, DJ, let's move on to our next segment. I want to ask you a little bit. Last Monday when we um, spoke about the India World Cup squad, it had just kind of released at that point. There were lots of different views. I think um, two things are really standing out for me, especially the DK versus Pant discussion. And DK does not seem to be having a good IPL. 
So first, let me let me talk to you a little bit about that, DJ. What are your thoughts on DK versus Pant? And considering both are not having a good IPL, uh, are you feeling any different one weekend? We've seen Pant play two games after that, and obviously this World Cup formation has, I think, it's affected his confidence in in a way, and it it isn't a good look. I mean, he's he kind of lost his off stump to Bumrah, and even yesterday's dismissal was pretty disappointing. I think they played different roles in a World Cup squad. I know Pant has been told to stay on standby, right? So, this is a provisional squad which has been announced and the final squads get announced, as I think you pointed out last week, on the 23rd of May. So, this is apparently a provisional squad announced for the ICC to sort out logistics like tickets and hotels and things, right? Pant, I think Seni and Raidu, I think, have been asked to stay on standby for uh, the World Cup. Ravi Shastri even said that he wanted 16 but only got 15 and asked the ICC and stuff. So, all that absurd stuff has gone on in the background. But I think Pant serves the purpose of bringing someone who can hit big up the order. Whereas DK plays the role of a finisher. DK's keeping, I think, is more accomplished than Pant. He's more experienced. We saw one game against Australia where Pant's keeping was... It was really, really poor, actually. So to speak, and he, we gave away so many runs behind the wicket that uh, it kind of led to questions as to Pant's wicket keeping abilities, which has never been a question with Karthik. So Karthik plays that finisher role, kind of um, quite. He, he can bat at four as well. He can anchor the innings. As I said last time, he batted at uh, four for the Champions Trophy in 2013 when India won the Champions Trophy. So I think they play slightly different roles, and I think the right call has been reached. The only thing I have a question about is whether there's space for more than one keeper in the playing 11. And MSK Prasad has said no. But I think we could see a 11 where Karthik is batting number four if the others don't actually come off. Fair enough. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that, that's a good point. I I actually continue and still believe my point that this was the best 15 the selectors have picked out of the out of the squad so far. Talking just a little bit about Pant, Ashwin, let me ask you, because I know you and I discussed this yesterday. I almost feel that he's just a little bit messed up in his mind. Uh, I think there's no excuses for, for this, but especially in a situation where Delhi needs a runner ball to win in yesterday's game versus Punjab, and you've got two guys on the boundary, there is absolutely no need to hit. And so for me, while I don't want to get into this discussion today, just a thought is that could Pant actually be a top-order batsman? And DJ has been saying this for a while, but he just doesn't seem to be fitting in into lower order. Does he need to come in at number one, two or three? Yeah, I think they have to try it, right? I think there's two things I said. The first one is when you said hey, yesterday's Punjab game feels like we, unfortunately, you know, Pant was struggling a little bit because of the mental anguish of having lost out on the World Cup spot. I don't know if that's necessarily true because he played pretty consistently with how he's played before. There was a match earlier where, you know, Shaw was batting in the 90s and he just needed to support Shaw and help take it home and hit fours along the ground. And he just doesn't have what it takes. He seems to want to hit aerial. He seems to want to be that maverick who hits sixes. And maybe that makes him the amazing player he is. But it also, there's a time and a place, right? When you need 15 runs of 15 balls, just nudge the ball and take a freaking single. Like, it was very frustrating to watch. So, anyway, that's the end of that rant for me. I don't know if it's the World Cup squad that left him in an unfortunate mental state or that's just who he is and how he plays. I think to your question, I think we have to try it. I think he's played at the top order in domestic cricket. I think he played at the top of the order early on last year for the Delhi Daredevils before they became the capital. So, 
he absolutely should be given a shot at the top of the order. I think, especially if there's if Delhi manages to seal that qualification spot with one or two matches to go, it may be a really good thing to try to do. You know, slot him in near the top, see how he performs, and then see where it goes. I think the challenge on that one is there's a big difference between coming in the top two and coming third and fourth. And so I think even if Delhi manages to get that 14 points and secure qualification, they'll still want to go for the kill. So it's going to be tricky. I don't see them changing too much that's of what's worked, but I, I think they should. Yeah, but it seems a strange thing for them to do after he did so well last year, right? He batted at three and he won the orange cap. So it seems like a strange thing for Delhi to do to drop him down to four. And maybe that's affected him this, this, this year. Maybe he was looking for that number four spot for the World Cup, which prompted that move. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I think fair enough, DJ. And I think what is interesting is I saw a video about, I think, the Delhi squad and uh, Ajay Jadeja and Virinder Sehwag were talking about it. And I'll share it with both of you all. But it was interesting because Sehwag also seemed a little bit upset with Pant. And Sehwag kind of plays that brand of cricket. And he actually said that, you know, Pant says Dhoni is my idol. And, you know, he wants to he wants to bat like Dhoni. But what Pant is missing is that Dhoni is just not... He didn't just hit sixes, right? Um, he played intelligently. He took the game to the last over when needed. He hit the sixes to finish off the game. And that was probably his style. But it was very interesting to hear Viru say this, especially when his brand of cricket is very similar. So, we, we of course, Pant is a hot topic on our podcast. So, we'll continue to debate that. But DJ, let me ask you first one other question that Sidan Baksi has actually asked us on our podcast. Um which is basically, can you guys analyze Kedar at number four and Shankar or DK at number six? So let me just give my view a little quickly. I, I think it's possible. I think Kedar actually does rotate the strike well. And I could see both Kohli and Dhoni enjoy batting with him and giving him some guidance. But I, again, I don't think this will happen at the start. DJ, your thoughts on this? Yeah, and I think we spoke about this maybe 10 or 15 episodes ago when I was talking about where Dhoni should bat. And this came up with whether we should have flexibility. And I think Ashwin said that as well last week where it depends on the match situation, right? So if we're chasing and we it's not a massive target, I think Dhoni comes into bat as four. It's a no-brainer for me. But if we are, I don't know, 250 for two with 10 overs to go and you don't want to send out Pandya for some reason or, or maybe say it's 250 for two in 35 overs and you need that 5-7 overs of, of rotating the strike, I think Kedar would be a perfect person to come in because he finds the boundary. He... Uh, knocks it around for singles, he keeps the scoreboard ticking. So instead of sending in someone like a Dhoni, who will take his time to get in, or a Pandya who will just tee off from ball one, I think Kedar would be a good option to send in. But uh, we've said this before, we've been most successful when our batting order has been fluid. 2011, we won the whole tournament because our batting order was fluid. People were prepared to bat um, all over the order. And in fact, Kohli has actually said where people bat will be decided later. So there's no... We can't have we can't be fixed in our ideas where people bat. Now there's this whole number four debate. It may well turn out to be that Kohli says, "Okay, I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to bat at number four. Rahul goes in at number three, or Shankar bats at number three. So flexibility, I think, is the name of the game. So yes, Kedar is definitely a candidate for number four. Absolutely, could not agree with you more. And Ashwin, let me ask you about some of the other squads that have come out since our last podcast on Monday. So I want to start with Pakistan. No Amir and no Wahab Riaz. Are you as shocked as Shoaib Akhtar who said that he's worried about who will lead the pace attack? You know, it's interesting. I haven't probably been as close to following the Pakistani pace bowler story in the last four to six months or so. I think 
the key thing for me is there's a time and a place for that big tournament player and i think that's what mohammad amir is it definitely feels like he's been out of form he hasn't been picking up wickets whatever little i've followed it seems like he's had a really really rough time i don't think i think it's important to go back to what dj mentioned this is a provisional squad pakistan plays a series against england in england and that's going to be really interesting to see how that shapes out i think that's going to be honestly a battle between mohammad amir and jafar archer neither of who have made their squads but both are who both of who are right on the fringe and likely to make it soon so i have a feeling i have this i just have this feeling amir is going to make it in i mean we were at the ground when he took those incredible three wickets in the champions trophy match so i think you can't you're not going to leave out amir for a tournament in england i have a feeling he will make it back in it was a little bit of a surprise but maybe it's to give him a, that little bit of a jolt that uh, he needs before the world cup yeah fair enough i also think that amir was destructive i mean i still get nightmares of india being 15 for 3 because of him so um i think he'll be back ashwin very quickly two more questions one on the england squad um they seem to have got a very good batting lineup they seem to have moin ali and adil rashid who will fill the spinner spot but one just can't help wonder that between blanket karan willy and wood do you think they are missing that killer fast bowler i mean i was talking to a friend today and it feels like all of these bowlers are at a bhuvia or a shami level they don't seem to have a bumrah i think their bumrah or their cummins or their rabada equivalent is jafar archer and he just i think all he needs is to have a decent series in the the series that happens in may and he'll be in the in the world cup squad and i know that's a bit of a contentious one some people think he deserves it some don't etc for me that to exactly your point you have five bowlers who are not lightning fast to get good swing you know we haven't really seen swinging conditions in england the way we used to i think it's going to be flat batting friendly pitches so that lightning quick bowler like the rabada bumrah and cummins is going to be a great asset and i think that's going to be archer so i have a feeling this is my prediction is that archer and amar will both be in their squads before the the end of may Awesome. I think Michael Vaughn, if I'm not mistaken, said the exact same thing. So that'll be interesting. And guys, Jofra Archer, we're going to talk about him a little bit more in our next segment on Rajasthan Royals. And Ashwin, sorry, last from my side because too many squads have come out, and I'm too excited about this. But South Africa, the squad, I think Amla made it in in the last second, and I'm personally happy about that. But he seems to have dropped off a little bit. And the second is um, South Africa seems to be one of the teams that has actually not gone in with a backup keeper, and actually has said David Miller might keep if if. they have an injury for Quinton de Kock. I think on that second point, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we've talked on the show in the past. Look, if your main keeper has a significant injury that keeps them out of the tournament for a while, you have a backup keeper playing one game maybe, but you fly in another guy. So I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because Miller can keep a little. He probably keeps at the level of a KL Rahul, so just about enough. I think on your first question on Amla, I think again on your in your big tournament i know people disagree and the people who thought punt should have been in the squad will disagree but i think in your big tournaments you got to go to people who've been there before who are experienced and i think amla just brings an unbelievable level of patience and stability at the top of the order i mean we often forget but he was the fastest to 5000 6000 7000 odi runs even faster than virat kohli who's obviously on track to become an ODI legend if not already in that status. So, I think Amla's an unbelievable player. Look, form matters, but experience, temperament and kind of having a history with the game matters a lot too. So, I'm ha- I was personally happy to see Amla play. I don't know how much longer he has, especially if he doesn't have an amazing World Cup, but glad to see him make the squad. Absolutely. I think that sums it up. The experience matters and that's why Amla has been picked. So guys, we are going to be talking a lot about these World Cup squads especially in the break after the IPL before the World Cup starts. So do keep tuning in for that. For now, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back after this to talk about the Rajasthan Royals. 
And now for a message from this week's sponsor of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast, Anchor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When the three of us started on this journey, we really didn't know where to begin. But the solution was all in one place, Anchor. It's free. It's easy. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. You can record, you can edit, and best of all, they'll distribute your podcast everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, you can even make some money from your podcast by recording ads just like this one. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thanks for listening. Here's a message from this week's sponsor of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet is a comedy podcast featuring siblings Christine and Alex who read one-star reviews they can find on the internet of anything and everything. Written by real people with not-so-real problems. From bad reviews of grocery stores in Ohio to strip clubs in Vegas, Alex and Christine read you some of the worst reviews in the most dramatic ways possible. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also find them on all social media platforms at beach 2 sandy Thanks for listening. All right, welcome back after the break. So today we've got Siddharth Podar joining us, as I mentioned earlier on. Pod, as we call him, was on our show last year as well, for those of you who may remember, talking about the Rajasthan Royals. Pod, welcome back to the show. Thanks, thanks a lot, guys. So, Pod, I'm going to ask you to describe the RR season first in one word. It's disappointing, or if I could say too, frustrating. Fair. That's that's what that's the word I had as well. It was it was frustration. I think it's tough for all of us. We follow our team so closely um, and and really back them, but it's disappointing when they don't do well. Rajasthan, I think, started off in a very disappointing manner. Uh, they lost majority of their first few games. As it stands right now, the points table is they've played nine games, won three, and lost six. Interestingly. They beat RCB, which, based on the points table, one expected. But they seem to have taken a liking for the Mumbai Indians, who are a team who are on, on a roll, gaining momentum and having beat them twice. But, Pod, let me, let me ask you first a little bit, because I know you, you like to discuss this and you, you talk about this, just about the season so far in terms of the leadership and the management. And lastly, with Smith taking over. Just broadly, what are your thoughts on that? Very broadly, I think... I think it's a bit of a difficult situation for Rajasthan to be in initially when you have Rahane as your captain, which it pretty much means one slot is taken. And I think Rajasthan entered the, the IPL and with the mindset that these are our four overseas players. And they went with the big ticket names, which doesn't really work because I think Steve Smith is perhaps at best and a decent T20 player. So I think that was... Uh, it was a it was a difficult problem for them to come out of, and as a result of which they had two two players who were in the 11s who may not have made any of the other 11s in in the IPL. So I think teams can carry one such player to hold an innings together and what have you, provided that player is in the middle order. I think Rajasthan had two, and that that was a key issue, and that is again a leadership management issue. Absolutely. And I think what's what's surprising for me is, Pod, I think you're right on that. And what they've done is they've just transferred the captaincy from one of those two to the other. So it doesn't look like any of those guys are going to be dropped anytime soon. And especially, let me ask you, when you know, you've got Rahane or Smith playing, when you've got guys like Tripathi and now Parag, who maybe, Pod, you can share a little bit about because I don't know too much about him. But um, Parag and Tripathi seem to be guys that you want to have in a playing eleven, but Tripathi was dropped yesterday after scoring a fifty. So I think 
I think between the two of them, you know, I would rather have Rahane in the eleven, and that's not 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 an indication of how I would rate Rahane vis-a-vis Smith, but just the fact that the Rajasthan Royals has a paucity of domestic talent, whereas they have one or two other international players that they can bank on. So if it had to be one of the two, it would be Rahane. That said, I think I think Tripathi has been really unfortunate. He may, you know, he may not get a contract again, and it's unfortunate because he's not getting to bat where he where he's done well. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Parag, I don't know too much. You know, I I don't know too much about him myself. I've not really played much of the age level crickets in the under 19s. I mean, he's just 17, so he may still play for the India under 19s. So, but. But haven't I haven't haven't seen him play before, and we batted really well the other day, and it was very impressive to see. Still very early, right? It's just a game, but yeah. But yeah, coming back to the bigger question that that you put out there, uh, it's it's a really difficult one because you feel like you can't drop these players, and when you do drop them, it almost never ends well in terms of falling out with the franchise. You, we see what happened with Gambhir last season and he's not in the IPL again. Yeah, he stepped aside himself, but who's to tell, right? Whether he stepped aside or he was asked to step aside. So it's it's a really tricky one and I think they got really stuck in that rut for for a while. But let me just ask you, this is Ashwin. I just want to double-click a little. So I, I wonder if we're being a little bit harsh or maybe this is just my point of view. Uh, but among the highest run scorers for the Rajasthan Royals, you obviously have Butler front and center. I think for me personally... One of the drivers of having a less strong season than last year was Butler. Has, has been Butler's form, although it's been good, it's not been great. However, the second highest run scorer is actually Steve Smith. Despite having only played seven innings, he's made almost two hundred and fifty runs so far. Averages nearly fifty, and the yeah he strikes at about one ten, one fifteen. But isn't isn't that's, that okay? That's kind of the role Treyas Ayer is playing for Delhi, and that's been working. Ayer strikes at about one fifteen. If I look through the other kind of strike rates you have a couple players who strike at about 120 odd Surya Kumar Yadav strikes at 120 Dhoni himself who we all know and love strike at about 120 ish so is is that is that as is that so much the issue or is it the fact that there's nobody else in the top 25 run scorers that's from Rajasthan I think the issue is twofold right one I think 110 a strike rate of 110 just doesn't cut it I mean like I said Rahane is striking at 130 so I would rather have Rahane instead of Stokes, uh, instead of Smith, if it had to be one of the two. And the the point is that the other teams that you talk of have power hitters around them. And given that Rajasthan has only, fair to say, only one in Butler, because Samson's been so inconsistent, there's a lot more to be expected out of somebody like Steve Smith. Turner is only getting a couple of games now. It's, at the end of the day, for every Shreyan Shair, there's you know, Dhawan who's hitting his straps. There's Panth who's batting like an idiot a day, but you know the next day he's batting like a king. But essentially scoring runs, right? And scoring them quickly. For Chennai is a different beast altogether because, because of the pitches, the kinds of pitches that they're playing on, if their entire team strikes at 120, they will still win games because you're looking at 144, which they will defend. So... So I think Chennai is a different. It's a different kind of game that that they're playing, and it's it suits them. If they need to up the tempo, they can. But the point is that in a team with with such limited, for lack of a better word, domestic talent, the overseas players need to be striking better. 
that brings me to something that I was discussing with Varun the other day, which is it's just allocation of resources, right? We saw last year that somebody like Gotham can strike the ball really well. He's played 13 balls this entire season. We know Joffrey Archer can can smack the ball. He's barely played 30 balls. Ben Stokes, that was really interesting. I didn't know until a few uh, a couple of weeks back that of all the top six bats, batsmen who bat in the top six for their respective franchises, he's the one who's played the least number of balls on average per match. It's continued this season, right? He's played seven, he's had seven innings and he's played 81 balls. So that's 40, less than 14. So it's just, I just think it's misallocation of resources and that is what is really, really cost them. Absolutely. Very interesting point, Pod. And for all our listeners, Pod and I talk about cricket almost every day. And Pod has been a big supporter of having these big hitters bat up the order. Pod, I know you talked about Russell coming in early. I mean, today was absolutely ridiculous. And especially since Russell himself at the press conference came out and said that um, I should be batting at four. And to give an example of the RCB game, Kohli would have used his best bowlers at me. I think I had a good shot of hitting them. And even if I didn't, for the guys who come later, the best bowlers have been done. So is that kind of what you think all teams need to be looking towards where you're having your Russells or your Stokes type of batsman coming in much earlier? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, England does it in 50 over cricket. So there's no reason why no other team or all other teams can't do it in 20 over cricket. Even a team perhaps that doesn't have the riches that others have, right? So a team like Rajasthan. I think every single team in T20 cricket should be playing with that approach. I mean, just to give you an example, right? We have, when we talk of one-day cricket, we've had this discussion so often when it comes to where Virat Kohli should bat in one-day cricket. And the common argument, which I believe in, is also that he's, he's the best batsman, so you want him to have as many overs as possible, and he's comfortable at three. So even if you set aside the comfort point of it, we've always talked about even in one-day cricket, 50 overs cricket, that the best batsman should have the most number of balls to play. And it absolutely has to apply in T20 cricket. I've, you know, I was sitting on the fence with this one for a long time. But what Russell's done in this season and then not been able to do because of some ridiculous captaincy or management or whatever you want to call it, just reinforces that view in my mind. We, we, we're seeing somebody like Russell coming into bat in the 15th over and, you know, doing something that's never been seen before and everyone's really happy. But it's one hit away from a loss. Any of those could be a miss hit. He's in a golden patch or whatever you want to call it. And he's striking the ball really cleanly. But one hit and the game's over. If that same batsman can come into bat, I would say 10th over, 11th over, any time after the 6th over is what I would say. I don't see what a team has to lose because given the same kind of freedom to play the same way, even at an earlier stage in an innings, I think you. I think it's worth a shot. I just think that there's too much of you know over analysis of uh, of T20 cricket in the wrong manner that you need somebody to hold an innings together. I don't think it's required. I just think if a team really has a very bad day, they could put possibly get all out in 20 overs. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. And more often than not, teams are left to view the fact that, you know, we had certain number of wickets left. I mean, we are seeing scores of 180 for four, 
which I just think is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. And I think we spoke about this a little earlier, which is, does Pant need to go up the order? Does Hardik Pandya need to go up the order? And Pod, correct me if I'm not wrong, but I think last year, Butler opening was something that was a mid-season. I don't think he was always an opener for RR, right? Yes, that's right. He opened mid-season. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and look at what that did. I think he had four or five fifties in a row. And I remember this because I had him trump uh, in the fantasy for those games. So it completely changed my fantasy season. And I think it put RR on a complete winning momentum. But just to wrap up the batting, I, I, I have to ask you about Sanju Samson. I mean, he has been promising, but some of these guys, whether it's Shaw, Rana, Sanju Samson, they, they just seem to be falling a little bit short. And... If you were Sanju Samson right now, don't you think there is an opportunity to go for the kill, especially with the keeper slot seeming to be open, with Pant not being convincing enough? Absolutely, I agree. And, you know, it brings us back to what we were talking about. It's been highly frustrating. The the kinds of shots Sanju Samson plays, I think he's, you know, given the game he has, I would say he's the best young Indian batsman today. I'm, I'm referring to people not in in the squad for the World Cup, for example. But that's just not good enough. And, you know, we've talked about this so often, the beautiful little 30s, you know, 27s, and that's just not going to cut it. And he only has himself to blame. More often than not, he's getting out, trying to manufacture shots or playing shots that aren't needed at certain points in time. It's very rarely... You know, you look back at this season, very rarely has he gotten out to a very good delivery. I just don't think that's happened. Yeah, and you know, you were talking about you were talking about Butler moving up mid-season last year. I, I would have Ben Stokes bat at three or four. That would be the lowest. I would have Samson open. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of it. He opened last game. Uh, so I would think yeah, I would have him open with Butler for whatever it's worth. You know, these last four or five games before before the overseas players leave. And I would have Ben Stokes in at number three. I would put in Rahane at four. If a wicket falls earlier, he can come in earlier. But it's not going to happen. Fair enough. And then to wrap up a little bit about the bowling. I mean, I think Shreyas Gopal has really impressed me as a spinner. I think Archer has played his role really well. But you can't help but think that both Unadkat who, by the way, we've discussed has to be some sort of a money laundering scheme for Rajasthan Royals uh, for the amount he gets paid. But between Unatkat and Dhawan, um, <laughs> you just you just can't... I, I can't seem to figure out what's going wrong with their bowling. I mean, Stokes is not bowling up to the mark. Unatkat and Dhawal, I think, are average bowlers at best. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Bini was opening the bowling. Gautam is not even playing now. So, just very quickly, Pod, on the bowling, do you think that's the weaker spot? No, I would still say it's the batting. Because teams get hit for 180, teams get hit for 190. That's par for the course. I would still... If you look at the games that they've lost, you know, barring a game where Stokes, you know, bowled that last over where he, where Jadeja hit him for that ridiculous six. I, If you look at it, I just still think that, yeah, they may have gotten hit, but I still think it's the batting that's cost them games. I think 160, 170 is par for the course. That said, you know, God only knows what the issue is with Unatkat. And, uh, yeah, but about Shias Gopal, I think, you know, it's just another another case of not utilizing resources properly. He's a good bat. He averages 35 in first-class cricket. You can't be a muck with the bat if you're averaging 35 in first-class cricket. And he's coming into bat at number 10. So, yeah. Fair enough. And so, Pod, 
where does Rajasthan go from here? I mean, this year, they're pretty much going to, I feel, they're going to play a spoil spot, although they mathematically still might be in contention for the top um, four slots. But what next year, what, what do you think needs to change for them? Can we change the owners? <laughs> Didn't they already change the owners? I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, I think it's the same. Can we can we spend some more money? It's it's a people are building teams by spending money. Rajasthan wants to build a team without spending money. I don't see how that's <laughs> logically possible. Yeah, you've you've spent what two million two million bucks on Unadkat. Even with a lower contract, he's still at more than a million. You spent one point eight million on Ben Stokes. Can we fire them? I, I mean, I be I I just really you know it's. Again, again, I agree with Ashwin that, you know, at times we've just been harsh with Steve Smith, Rahane. They are players who will play to the best of their ability. You know, people people sitting in their living rooms like us know or think we know what they can do or they can't do. So it's really shameful that people who are paid to do this can't figure out what they should be doing with this team. Right. I mean, I don't know where, why so much money is being spent on so many players. Stokes, one can understand. Every year there's this one really glamorous buy which backfires. Stokes is one of them. Fair enough. But yeah, I, you, you don't spend money. You spend very little. When you spend it, you spend it indiscriminately on your people who shouldn't be getting that kind of money. So yeah, I mean, look back through this season's this season's mini auction. I don't know if they had even a single good buy. One turner, you know, arguably. But besides that, I don't know. I'm not aware of any any buy, any purchase. Yeah, and I think um, even Turner hasn't gotten to play much. So he's played two, and he's <laughs> I, had two first ball ducks. But I didn't. I didn't want to rub that in because I knew you wanted him to bat. And he batted <laughs> twice and got zero for one. But um, no, I think I, I I still think he should just they should play him for the rest of the season. Yeah, there's. Fortunately, he's not picked for the World Cup, so he has an extra game to play. But not that it's going to count. As long so as think, as I long think, as they beat KKR on the table, that's fine. <laughs> I think that's your only objective now. So that's interesting. And I think Pretty the much. only thing all of us can hope for is that Unadkat does not play for them next season. I think something will be really wrong if he does. But um, but that's our that, that's our wrap up on Rajasthan Royals. Pod, we have to mm-hmm. ask you one final question, which is about sure. Sandeep Lamichane. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's been great for the Delhi team, I think, especially since so many pitches this year are slightly on the slower slide, slightly on the more turning side. Um, you must be very happy to see him playing. And I know he's been, he's had a great start to 2019, a good end to 2018. Thoughts on Sandeep? Yeah. He's got a big heart, yeah. He's got a lot of character. I mean, think about it, right? You're playing for a high-profile team. You've The team can only play four overseas players. You're one of them. You, you've come in mid-tournament or whatever after two or three games. You get hammered and you're still flighting that damn ball and you're still bowling a googly after googly. You're 18. You may never have an IPL contract again. I just think it speaks volumes about ability. I mean, without the ability, he wouldn't be there. But also speaks volumes you know, about the heart he has. And yeah, he got hit for 40, but the last game but he picked three wickets and that is what a leg spinner is always going to bring to the table so it's just it's just incredible to see him bowl that way and you know I just hope I just hope we see more of him and I at this point I don't see how how he shouldn't be playing 
in that team ahead of Amit Mishra. Absolutely. He he definitely should. I think he increases Delhi's chances of success. And I personally think even if Amit Mishra is playing, um, then, I mean, I think Sandeep is definitely a better pick than Chris Morris. Because Absolutely. Morris doesn't seem I to mean, be adding given, enough with the bat. Given... Given the kinds of wickets that Delhi is preparing, yeah, absolutely. Both of them should be playing. Yeah. So, we should just hope that Ponting continues to play um, Sandeep. And I think Delhi looks like they have a shot at the playoffs. So, it'll be very interesting. Um, he'll be one of the few overseas players who does not have to go home, fortunately enough for Delhi. Um, so, so it'll be very interesting to see him there. So, guys, that's all we have for this week's episode. Thank you, Pod, for joining us. Thanks, thanks, guys. It was great fun chatting with you as always. And we'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about the IPL and have another special guest to talk about one other team. So thank you, guys. Hello, 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 everybody. It's been another great week on the IBM Podcast Network. On What the Hell Navya, Jaya Bachchan, Shwetananda and Navya herself dish out stories from their childhood. They discuss tough love between parents and their kids. On Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Baman Irani, President-elect Kredai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shad Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a padyatra. On The Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on the Filter Coffee podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi, Senior Ambassador of the TEDx program and curator of TEDx Gateway. They discuss the origin story of TED and its franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVM Podcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya, and on our show, Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcast from.